I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. When I was um, praying about the word that I felt God want to bring to this church this morning, the word that I instantly heard God say was significant. And I really felt like what God wanted to say to every person this morning was that you are significant and that this church is significant. So that's kind of where I'm going this morning. And I want us to turn to a, wor- to a scripture in the, in the Bible in 1 Peter 2.9. So if you've got your Bibles or your electronics. Can I just say I'm very glad as well that there wasn't three inches of snow? <laughs> Because, my, yeah, I was going to have to drive in that snow, and it doesn't really snow in the UK. It's, I was, it's been four years, so anyway, I think God stopped the weather just for me to come here this morning. Anyway, so we're in First Peter 2.9, and it says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I love that scripture. And if ever you need to be encouraged in the morning, read that scripture because it's, it's so good. But I wanted to tell you a story. Um, when I moved to Michigan, I'm from Chicago originally. When I moved to Michigan, it was because I went to school at Hope College. Do you guys know? Yeah, familiar with Hope? Okay, so I went to Hope and I... I've never really had problems making friends. I just love talking to everybody. If you catch me, I was caught 20 minutes at the front door because I'll just talk, I'll talk to everybody. So when I was in school, um, I roomed with this girl, though, that was a bit more shy. And when this time came around for sororities and fraternities, she really wanted to join one. And I wasn't really interested because I had, like, a couple of friends from different groups and I just wasn't really interested in being committed to, like, one group of friends, but she really wanted to. And so she was like, oh, well, you, this is what girls do. We rope each other into things. <laughs> so she's like, will you come with me? And I don't know if you guys are familiar with what sororities are like. <laughs> yeah, she laughs, she knows. But anyways, I still can't believe I did it, to be honest. And I, this was pre-Christ, okay? This was B.C., so anyways, so I was like, okay, right, we'll, we'll um, try. And this is how it works, right? You go to one of their events, and you meet the people, the girls in the sorority, and then they go away, and then they talk about all of you guys, and then the next morning, if they like you, this is, a tr- this is true, you will wake up and you'll have like a letter under your door that invites you to their next event. But, so, but if, they, if you didn't get approved or you weren't good enough, you don't get a letter. And so, yeah, can you believe, like, it's terrible. But anyways, but it happens. So anyways, we start going to these events. And what started happening was I started getting letters under the door, and my roommate didn't. And it was horrible because I didn't even want to be a part of their group. But my friend really did. And so anyway, I ended up meeting, do you guys know Kayla? She goes to the point, she's going to be speaking at the Spice Conference. But anyway, I ended up meeting Kayla, and we really connected, and she was in this sorority. So anyway, I ended up joining, and we ended up becoming friends, and then we ended up dropping out of school together and joining the point. So that's how that all ended. So I'm not even, I really didn't even join, you know, end up being a part of this sorority. But what I want to say is, it's funny how those moments in our life, and for my roommate, she didn't end up joining the sorority that year, but the next year she did, and she's happy, and she's married, and she has loads of friends, and 
it all turned out great. But it was awful. I, it was awful waking up in the morning and, and she didn't have a letter under the door. And it's crazy, I think, how moments like that in our life, in our past, can have such a large impact on how we operate in our future. We can really allow silly moments like that in our life to define us and to define who we are as people. And I'm sure if we were to go around this room, maybe some of us would have moments in our life where we felt overlooked or we felt unnoticed or underappreciated or unwanted or unimportant. And I really felt that this morning that God wants you to know that he has chosen you and that the God that created you, that formed you in your mom's womb, that the Bible says has numbered every single one of your hairs on your head, that has ordained every single step of your life before even one of them came to be, has handpicked you for a special purpose. And it doesn't matter if you got chosen for the sorority It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people have or haven't said about you. It doesn't matter if you got the job or you got chose, somebody else got it. It doesn't matter if your parents favored one of your siblings over you when you were growing up. None of that really matters because at the end of the day, God is in charge and he's picked you and he's seen you. Amen. Can we give a real good amen for that? And so that's really... I really want to unpackage that this morning. So if we could look in our Bibles at um, Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22. And I want to unpackage what this whole concept of being chosen and the significance has on our lives. So Matthew 4, 18. Give a yeehaw if you're there. Okay, there we go. Still good. Okay, so here we go says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, John of Zebedee, and his brother, John, and they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So we're going to stop there, and I want to give a little context to what a fisherman was in the Bible. It wasn't a glamorous job, as you could probably tell, but it also wasn't a wealthy position either. It was really a peasant's job, and wealthy merchants owned most of the fishing industry, so a fisherman maybe got a margin of profit from a day's work, so they really struggled to make ends meet in their, just their daily life. So can you imagine being at your, you, tor- you turn up to work, you're at, your every, you're at your everyday job, and you've just done this job for most of your life, and you've kind of, your identity has kind of just been kind of a nobody. Nobody, Im- nobody of like, great importance, nobody of great stature. You're just, you're just really a peasant, a fisherman. And you're just turning up, doing this kind of dirty work, and there's all these people around. And then suddenly, you hear a voice call out to you from behind you. And you turn around, and you see Jesus standing there in front of you, out of all these people. And I don't know if these disciples knew who Jesus was, really, because this was kind of right before his ministry began. But I, I wonder if he, if 
they maybe heard rumors about him, like, hey, there's this man, Jesus, and he's claiming to be the Son of God, and that he's claiming to be the Savior, and he's done miracles, and he's done healings, and he was baptized in the river by John the Baptist. And, and maybe, maybe they had heard about him. And they turn around, and they see Jesus standing right in front of them. And he says, he points to you, and he says, come and follow me, and let's change the world together. You know, I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm sure they, either they must have heard about who Jesus was, or they just thought, well, I don't know who he is, but it's a lot better than gutting fish out all day. <laughs> so they're like, right, let's leave this, and we'll just go with this guy. I don't know. It was one or the other. But I just was thinking about this scripture, and I was thinking about, like, when they followed him, and maybe that first night that they were with Jesus, and I don't know if, like, they slept in, in a tent or they were in a hut, or if they had a bed and they laid their head on a pillow at night. I don't know. Jesus says that, you know, we don't know where he lays his head at night. But I wonder that first night that they were with Jesus, that they were thinking, why did, out of all those people, why did he pick me? You know, I'm just a fisherman. There's nothing special about me. My whole life I've just been told I'm just this peasant. And I wonder if they struggled with the fact that God saw them as significant, and did they wrestle with those questions? It really makes me wonder, and I, and I wonder at like what point in their journey of walking with Jesus did it click for them that they were significant? At what point in the journey did they start to realize that they weren't just like one of the crowd, they weren't one of Jesus' groupies who just followed him around, that got to witness his miracles and his healings and seeing people set free, but they actually realized that they had something to offer and something to give and that God had called them for a special purpose. And I think about Peter, because I think Peter's moment was when they were on the boat and the waves were tossing and turning and they saw Jesus walking on the water and all the disciples were afraid. They were all afraid except Peter. And he shouts out to Jesus and says, Lord, if it's you, will you call me and command me to come to you on the water? Like, was that the moment where, where Peter got a bit gutsy and he thought, I'm called to do the stuff that Jesus is, does. And, it, and he, it clicked for him. And he got out of the boat and he walked on water. And I'm just saying, guys, that we are not just Jesus' groupies. We have to have a moment in our Christian journey where we realize, hang on a second, God's called me. There's 7.7 billion people on planet Earth, but you guys are sitting in this room today. So at what point in your Christian journey have you realized, hang on a second, I've been chosen. God's hand-picked me, not my, maybe your sibling, I hope. We're going to talk about how people can get saved later. But out of, out of your family, out of all your friends, out of this neighborhood, out of Hesperia, out of Grand Rapids, out of America, out of the whole world, he called your name. And at what point in your Christian journey have you realized, hang on, I've got something to offer. I'm not, just, I'm not just me, but I've been chosen for a special purpose, a part to play in God's kingdom and his eternal economies. It's fantastic. But we have to have that moment. We have to have that moment that we get it, that it clicks for us, that God wants to use me in a special way. And I know what you're all thinking about Peter, right? Because he got out of the water and everybody criticizes him because he, he sank. But can I just say this? He got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. 
And you want to know what? It was only a couple chapters later that Peter was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And out of the 12, he got chosen to be the, one of the three that got to witness the transfiguration of Jesus on top of the mountain. So all I'm saying is G- Peter was doing something right. He might have sank for a moment and maybe you've stepped out of the boat and experienced that. But can I just say congratulations for getting out of the boat? Because that's, I feel like, the heart that God's looking for is the people that get it and they click into the gear and they think, I've been called, I've been chosen. If you don't believe that you're chosen, if you not just believe it in your head, but where it drops into your heart, you'll always question your significance to God and you'll never truly emerge into who God's called you to be. I really want that to settle because we have to know that we've been picked and that we've been chosen so we can step in to the purposes and the calling that God has for us. In John 15, 16, it says this, You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that fruit would remain so that whatever you ask from the Father in my name, he may give you. He didn't, you didn't choose him. You might have thought you chose him because you said yes, but actually, way before time, he was pursuing you. And I looked up synonyms of what the word chosen means, and it says, you've been called by God, approved by God, destined by God, selected by God, favored by God, special to God, got the nod from God. You've been the preferred choice from God. And here's the thing, you've been chosen by God, but you have to choose to be chosen. So it's like he's picked you, but you also have to pick yourself. And that's the difference is God's chosen you, but you have to start to let it click for yourself. Wait a second, he wants to use me. And God wants to use your personality, your skill set, your experiences, your story, your talents, your gifts, like everything about you is what he wants to use. And I know Katy Perry's kind of gone off the scene. I don't know where she is these days. She's kind of, she, was, she had all those songs and now they're gone. You know, Baby I'm a Firework or whatever it is, it's a bit old now. But when she was on the scene, I remember listening to this interview about Katy Perry and they were asking her like, you know, how she got discovered and all these things. And she was saying that her agents and her producers we're talking about her like she kind of wasn't in the room. And they were saying, you know, how are we going to like, she's a good singer, she's got all these gifts, but how are we going to use her? You know, is she going to be the next Britney Spears? I know she's kind of, you know, but this was before Taylor Swift's of the world, but is she going to be the next Britney Spears, the next Lindsay Lohan? Is she going to be the next this or the next that? And she spoke up and she said, and I said to them, no, I'm going to be the first Katy Perry. And I love that because... You are the first you that's ever hit planet Earth. Like, no one's ever going to have your story, your experiences, your personality. Like, you are the never-before-seen sculpture that the world is waiting to see. And you're the entrepreneur of your own life. So it's kind of this weird paradox of, like, knowing that God's chosen you, but you have, and he has a plan for your life, but you have your own path to blaze, and you partner with God to do that. And it almost, and I bet when Peter was getting out of the boat, he was kind of like, should I do this? Like all the, all the, all the other disciples are like in the boat and I'm the only one stepping out. And it feels a little bit like that when you really start to step in 
to who God's called you to be. You can start to, you, the self-doubt can come in. But I want you to know that it's so important that you take those steps out because the more steps that you take, the more confidence that starts to build inside of you. And you really, it, you really start to notice, yeah, God has picked me. And I do have something to give. And I have something to offer the world. And you really start to make a mark on the planet. I want to tell you this story. Um, I remember there's this family in the church. And, uh, well, I guess it's not Grand Rapids anymore because we have a couple different campuses now. They go to the Point, um, the Point Rockford. And it's the Dugan family. Woo! Yeah. They're a great family, and they've adopted two girls from China. And my husband and I got to go on vacation with them a couple years ago. We went to North Carolina. And so it was a long drive time. <laughs> and we were in this big, massive van, and their, their one daughter, Riley, who's the youngest, was in the back. And we're driving along, and Riley shouts out from the back, this, like, little voice. I think she was, like, three or four at the time. Shouts out from the back. She goes, hey, Mommy, can you tell me the story about how I got into the family? And so, and so uh, I, I, I was sitting in the middle like, how's this going to go? Because I know she was adopted. And obviously she knows she was adopted. So anyway, so Colleen, her mom, says, well, Riley, let me just tell you. Mommy and Daddy knew that something was missing in our family. And so we found out that you were over in China. And the story goes that you were in a fruit basket stand. You were in a box in a fruit basket stand. And this man, this Chinaman, came by and he picked you up and he brought you to the orphanage. And Riley, that is a very, very special thing because he knew that he was going to have to wait all day and sign all these papers, and go through all these interviews, and he wasn't even your dad, but he picked you up and brought you to the orphanage, and we got a phone call, and so we came all the way over from America to China, and we went to the orphanage, and when we saw you, we knew that you were ours, and that you were destined to be a Dugan, and so we, we picked you up, and we looked at you, and the woman with you said, this is Riley, and she comes from a place that all the beautiful girls come from. And we knew it was true because you were beautiful. And she goes on to tell this whole story about how she got picked. And I look back at Riley, and she's literally like this. She's just, she's just loving it. And I know you don't know the family, but this little girl is one of the most, like, <laughs> she's one of the most confident, like, outgoing, excited little girls ever. And as she's telling this story about how she got picked, how she was chosen, it really clicked for me that she knows that she's been chosen. Because I've never seen someone more confident, more accepted, more loved. And it's because her whole life she's been told, no, you, you weren't just born into this family. You weren't just, you're not just a part of the furniture. Mommy and Daddy went and got you, and we chose you, and you came with a special purpose, and you are significant. And she's grown up believing that. And I just love that, and I really, be- and I really do believe that when you know that you've been chosen, you don't struggle with comparing yourself to other people. You don't struggle with insecurity. You don't struggle with envy and wishing that you looked like somebody else or that you were more like somebody else because you know that if God wanted another person like that, they would have made one. But God picked you and he made you. 
If God wanted another Billy Graham, he would have made two. But guess what? He didn't. He made one, and he made one of you. And it's because he knew he needed you. He knew he needed Billy. He knew he needed Stephen Furtick or whoever's big on the planet. But the thing is, is God needed us too, and he wants to use us, and he wants to partner with us. And it's so important that we get this revelation that we're significant and that we've been chosen. And I want to say that there will be times in our Christian life where God hides us. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that in your walk where you'll be serving in church and you'll be turning up and you'll be coming early and you're giving your tithe and you're giving people words when you feel prompted to and you're doing all this stuff and it's like nobody sees. You're feeling totally under the radar. And I want you to know that that is a time when in, that's very special in your life. You can despise those times, but that's when God hides you. And it's in those seasons that you need to know that you know that you know that he's chosen you. Because if you start to doubt and question in the times that God's hide you and he's kind of hidden you for a special purpose because he's working on you under the scenes and you're not getting noticed, you're not being appreciated, you're not being recognized, those are the special times that God's just working on you and he's testing your heart and he's wanting to see are you still going to keep doing what I've called you to do? Do you believe? Are you choosing to be chosen? And those are the times you need to know. Yeah, I know, God. I know you have something special for me. I, don't, I find it really interesting that God anointed David to be king. And then he spent like so many years in a cave running for his life. He wasn't, he wasn't on the scene. He wasn't, you know, living the king dream. And it's because God was working on his character. He was working things out of him. He was doing special things in his heart. And it's so important that you know that those times, you're really special. That God actually hides you enough, cares about you enough to work on you. So that when you emerge on the scene and your time comes to do the thing that God's called you to do, you are ready. And that you're prepared to do it. But in those seasons, I just want to encourage people, if you find yourself in that time, it's important to know that it doesn't matter. God sees you. That he recognizes you. He looks at you and he sees your heart. And he's just working on you. And even in the hidden times, you're chosen and you're picked and you're significant and you're important. And it's important that we remember that.